a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana, a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you are going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living. That is exactly what makes them extra to me, and I am excited for you to meet them. So uh, for the loyal listeners of MANA, uh, low these many seasons, uh, you know that most of the guys uh, that you've met on this podcast uh, have been guys that I've not only already met, but they're, they've typically been guys that I've known pretty well. Uh, but today, I'm super excited uh, for all of us to meet a new friend of faith as part of our, uh, I'm kind of calling it our mananimity uh, mini-series. Uh, so brothers in faith that uh, I don't know yet, but will be brought out of anonymity. There's a little pun right there. Uh, for all of us uh, to get to know here uh, in a few short minutes here. Um, and you know, I think we're going to have some fun uh, here because that is uh, quite literally his line of work. He is an improv comedian and improv coach. Uh, he's also a minister. And he's also a host of a faith-inspired podcast. It's a very cool podcast called uh, The Gifts for Glory Podcast, uh, in which he uh, celebrates, promotes, and unites the men and women of God that use their gifts for his glory, oh, which I just, I, I love it. And you know, I'm a relatively new listener, uh, but it's a very cool podcast with a with a wide range of guests from all walks of life, including comedy, his own his own trade, uh, and you can uh, you can check it out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get uh, wherever you get your podcasts. So anyway, can't thank him enough for joining us here on Mana. So let's all let's, let's all meet and uh, and bring to our version of our uh, open mic uh, today's uh, today's Mana Man, Mr. Dave Ebert. Hey, Dave. Hey, Jeff, thank you so much for having me on, and uh, thanks for the uh, intro. I hope that I can live up to it. <laughs> wow, you certainly you certainly can. I really, really appreciate it. And full disclosure to all of our uh, our listeners here, uh, uh, Dave, you know, we, uh, so Dave and I met on on what's, uh, and I'm using those little air quotes when I say met, we, we met on, uh, and this is going to be uh, ironically probably inappropriate for a faith-based podcast, we kind of met on uh, something like a Tinder for podcast geeks. So there's this, uh, it's this directory, uh, uh, that I was just introduced to of, of hosts and, uh, and potential podcast guests. And I, and I've literally I've never been on Tinder, but I know you, you do some swiping and you, whichever way you swipe indicates it, like if you're interested or not. And I swiped whatever way, uh, <laughs> to indicate, uh, that I was very interested in meeting you. Cause I just, I loved your bio. I, I love what you're doing, um, to celebrate, uh, not only the unique gifts each of us has been blessed with, but but how how we're all using those gifts. I'm sure our listeners and myself included, I'd love to know where the comedy thing came from. Like how how early on, you know, did you end up super funny growing up? You just kind of always wanted to do it. What where's the comedy background come from? Well, as a young kid, I uh, always um, enjoyed entertaining my mom and and her uh, friends, my dad and his friends. Uh, it was just a very early addiction to just the sound of laughter the, and uh, just kind of being the center of attention. Uh, one of the earliest photos that I have of me was uh, a Polaroid picture of me uh, flexing like I was in a bodybuilding contest. 
because the pool that we were at that day with my mom, my dad, and their their friends, uh, they were having a bodybuilding contest. Okay. So I was like, no, no, I can't be showing up. No, you guys gotta look at me. <laughs> Little two-year-old me with the little, you know, the, the little pot belly and and the flabby arms flexing away, and it, you know, that was just the first photo evidence that I like to be in front of people and entertain. Sure, that's so cool, you know. And and you know, as as all of us grew up, you know, with with uh, our own versions of you know hobbies or passions. I mean, I, I swore, you know, with all my you know, Eddie Van Halen posters in my room, I was going to be like, you know, on the cover of circus magazine someday, but, but I didn't have any of the talent nor the gumption (laughs) to even try it. But so when, for you, when did you, when did you feel like, okay, this, you know, sort of, um, this, this joy, this drug, as you call it, when did you, when did you realize that, you know, I could actually do this? Like I, this could actually be something I could, you know, do not just for the fun of it, but I actually could make a go of this as a, as, as like a living. Well, that story is is kind of a long story. So I'll try to condense it a little bit. Um, as you know, as we said, you know, being the life of the party, being center of attention was always my thing. Uh, as we, as I got into high school, I, uh, started wrestling with depression, uh, between uh, some things that were going on with me and my dad, because he was, uh, a Vietnam veteran and, he had gotten in contact with that Agent Orange chemical, which uh, mm. a lot of people have heard about. Mm-hmm. And it basically, it, it turned him from a 30-year-old man working with his hands, very you know, manual labor, into being fully disabled by the time he was 40. Oh. And so that transition in his life was very difficult for him. And as me entering into teenage years, that's naturally difficult. And then you have a father that's, wrestling with these things and there was a lot of headbutting, a lot of arguments and um we didn't have a strong faith foundation so we didn't have an anchor in all these storms so you add that to natural teenage stuff um you know being an october baby um the hopeless romantic so <laughs> i always thought well if i penned just the right amount of romance in a letter <laughs> i could get any girl and it never worked <laughs> i mean if i had saved some of those love letters i could probably give nicholas sparks a run for his money <laughs> oh, i love it but uh you know so uh, striking out left and right with girls and occasionally those uh, masterpieces would get shared around the high school and everyone would know who it was. And so just dealing with all that, it, it entered or I entered into a deep depression and from the outside, nothing ever changed because instead of thriving and just enjoying life by giving people an opportunity to laugh, I was now desperate for that to justify Mm -hmm. my existence because I needed it as a mask so people didn't know what I was wrestling with because Mm. I was ashamed. I was ashamed that I felt that way. I was ashamed that in my mind I was wrestling with the thought of suicide. Mm. I was ashamed that somebody as smart as me couldn't just figure a way out. So I hid how I felt and I hid my depression by being as funny as I could be. And if I could make people laugh, if I could give people an opportunity to find joy, I was justifying my existence because they weren't feeling what I was feeling. And I was also hiding how I was feeling so they wouldn't judge me or or think less of me because I was there. 
And um, I did accept Christ when I was in sixth grade, um, but there was no real discipleship. So as far as I knew, saying yes at a church camp one summer and then not killing anybody and otherwise being (laughs) decent, I was going to be... I had a good chance of getting into heaven. Right. Um, so I really didn't know what it meant to be a Christian. I had the membership card and I went to the meetings, but I didn't know what it, membership meant. Yeah. Um, well, and it sounds like you didn't necessarily have the reinforcement at home either. So you were kind of a little bit of an island there. Um, mm-hmm. Wow. So what, 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 what got you out of it? So this started in the high school um, and it lasted for almost 20 years. Uh, towards the end of 2012, you know, I've gone through one marriage. I'm, you know, had some, some relationships in the between time, but nothing again, nothing living for God, nothing honoring God. So I felt alone. I was trying to find my worth instead of in comedy. Now I was doing pro wrestling, uh, which is basically improv theater in the round sure. crowd on all four sides uh, you have no second take. You have no safety net. You go out there, you tell your story. And if the crowd's liking it, you keep going. If the crowd hates it, you get out as soon as possible. So you don't ruin the whole show, yeah. which is, which is improv. Yeah. That's what, you know, how improv works. Um, and I tell people that most of my improv training was from eight years as a pro wrestler. Um, but I try to also warn them that if I pick up a chair on stage, it's only to move it. <laughs> oh, that is so interesting. So how, so you said you wrestled for eight years? So through all this wrestling towards the end of 2012, I start thinking about the idea of, you know, maybe I should give this God thing and, and, and Jesus thing a real shot. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it looks like, but I don't think I've ever really done it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started thinking about that, but at the same time, I'm also still really close to just finding a way out completely. So the way I describe it is at the end of 2012 into 2013, I was literally on this mountaintop where I could go left and take my life or I could go right and give my life. So as we get to 2013, I'm walking to work late as usual on a Saturday morning. And I lived in a neighborhood where there was just a couple of apartments and not a lot of residents. So being on that street corner was not an ideal situation for these two kids from a Bible college to be out there witnessing and trying to reach people for Christ. It just wasn't an ideal location, Mm -hmm. but they were there because God wanted them there as kind of the, the straw to break the camel's back and kind of wake me up to the fact that God is reaching out to me. Yeah. So as I'm walking to work, I kind of blow them off. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm a Christian. I pray. Yeah, I'm good. I mean, depending on your theology, if you think once saved, always saved, because I said a prayer as a sixth grader, maybe I was telling the truth, but otherwise I really wasn't. I was just trying to get past them, Mm kind of like a telemarketer. It's like, no, no, I'm fine. Yeah, Yeah, I'm fine. I've got everything I need. But they did give me a tract. And uh, for those that don't know, a tract is basically a small comic book that's got a gospel message to it. And so they handed it to me and I, I took it and I went on to work. And that evening it started my journey because I realized, okay, God is actually reaching out to me. There's no other reason for these two kids to be out on that corner where nobody would be yeah, right. except for me. Yeah. So I started, I cracked open my dollar general uh, King James <laughs> Bible. 
and I also dusted off my Rick Warren's uh, Purpose Driven Life, which I'd gotten for free somewhere about five or six years beforehand. Never cracked it open, or I might have opened it, but never actually read it. So I started a journey with with Purpose Driven Life and reading King James. Uh, so that, that if that tells you anything, I was going to say that you went hardcore, like you went into the deep end right there. With yeah. Wow. It, that is so great. And so did it, did it feel then that, you know, was it sort of this, you know, uh, was it sort of a slow burn then from that point Did it just keep kind of growing and growing? Or did you feel like once you cracked open the tract and you got the, the dollar general King James Bible, which is such a great visual, did it just like, did it click for you or was it still a little bit of a process of like, it kind of kept building a little bit of momentum over the days and weeks? It's a little bit of both. Um, like if you watch uh, a movie from Pure Flix, and again, I'm not talking bad about Pure Flix or, you know, a, a Kendrick Brothers movie or whatever. You think like there's this giant emotional moment where right. I'm like weeping on the ground and the sky opens up and the soft music straight out of Hallmark plays. Right. Just, just, as I, just as I am when you're singing just yeah. as I am. Exactly. <laughs> And, and again, this is, I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying that from my experience, it was just like, oh yeah, I, I do need to pursue God. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't this giant emotional weeping moment. It was like, okay, I, I've been running long enough. Let's, let's see what's going on. And yeah, I read all the way, I think to Deuteronomy in that King James Bible before I finally got a, an NLT, which I could actually understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I started reading the word, started, started to pray. And I realized that the only time that I'm happy that I find my purpose is on stage. And instead of using it as a way to hide myself, God wanted me to use it as a way to reveal who he is. Yeah. And so I started talking to my family and there wasn't a lot of, it wasn't like a faith-based talk. It wasn't like, Hey, I'm a Christian now. You guys should join me. It was more like, Hey, I'm really unhappy and I don't know what God's purpose for me is. Yeah, I want to leave what I want to leave this area and, and figure out what I'm supposed to do. So the idea was either move with my mom in Roanoke, Virginia, which is a lot was a lot larger uh, than Beckley, West Virginia, where I was at. Um, and the other option was to move maybe back to Chicago, where I was born. My sister was up here going to college, and she ended up without any real prompting or anything. Uh, she offered me a chance to start over and stay with her for a while to get started. And I was like, are you sure? And she said, yeah. So I uh, I was up there within six weeks uh, here in Chicagoland, starting completely over on my sister's couch. And uh, I knew that using performing and being in front of people, entertaining, doing comedy, I knew that that was my ministry. I just didn't know how to get it started. Mm-hmm. So I thought... So there was never a time, there was never a time where the comedy was was running sort of on its own with the exception of the wrestling there was never a time when that sort of like uh theatrical sort of direction was was really operating without the sense of ministry it sounds like uh, with the exception of the wrestling thing so when you decided you're going to do comedy it was always with this sort of like purpose behind it yeah i mean as far as like professional in front of people comedy yeah definitely um before i had dedicated my life back to god in 2013 i'd done plays and i had done radio i did wrestling 
and you know different things like that where I was in front of people, but it was all of that as well as you know the joke telling in front of you know um you know at the dinner table after a wrestling show uh just hanging around the waffle house and telling jokes and stuff mm-hmm. and you know that obviously was not about ministry but actual pursuing comedy uh that's always been something that I've done as a way to honor god yeah that's so cool. Oh, and and you're in Chicago or that mm-hmm. area, which is known for such great, you know, Second City and all that kind of stuff. Was it hard um, combining those two? Like, did you find, you know, was being a, you know, a comic that had a, a sort of a, a message, was it harder to break in, you know, to the sort of like, you know, not that there's anything evil about secular, but I mean, you know, that's a fairly unique kind of angle for a comic and then mm-hmm. and then conversely was it hard um to do the ministry with with such a i think very cool and very creative kind of bent you know so it's kind of like did you ever feel like you're sort of like in no man's land it's like the comics don't take you seriously because you you know you want to talk about Jesus and and the ministers don't take you seriously because you know, you're the funny guy, you know what I mean? Like you're not necessarily, you know, like you had got, you'd moved on from King James, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so did you ever feel like you're sort of like betwixt and between there? In some aspects, yes. Uh, and I don't know, maybe, and I don't want to say this like I'm boasting, maybe it's just because of my personality, I never uh, really ran into major co- conflicts with that. Uh, the hardest thing was I took an improv class at a theater in Chicago and I was probably the only Christian for five blocks. Um, and the one teacher did not like me. He absolutely, and I, I could just, it was just discernment and the way he spoke, uh, when he gave me correction, he did not like the fact that I, I was clean and mm. still just as funny as anybody else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm not boasting. I, I, I boast only because the Lord gave me the ability, but I was able through God's help to with improv, your job is not to be funny. Your job is to support your teammates. And the comedy happens naturally when you have people on stage who are supporting and helping each other, mm-hmm. just like with wrestling, you have a good match, not because one wrestler is so much better than the other, but because that wrestler is good enough to make his opponent look good. So when you have two wrestlers or two improvisers trying to make each other look good by telling a great story, that's where the entertainment and that's where the joy comes. Yeah. Um, so here I am able to support my teammates, even if they went blue, which is you know dirty humor, innuendo, stuff like that. God gave me the ability to kind of work faster so that I could avoid setting myself up to a point where either I had to hurt my witness or uh, disappoint my teammates by not supporting Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. He gave me me the ability to just kind of operate at that quicker speed so that I could kind of see what the different choices would lead to. Almost like I was playing a, choose your own adventure book live on stage. It's like, okay, if I choose this one, I know I'm going to get in trouble. But if I choose this one, I could stave off the trouble and still support my teammates and make us look good. And so doing that on a secular stage makes me even better when I'm on a stage with other Christians because I'm still working just as fast. But now anybody who works with me, I'm able to 
work with them and make the show look great because I'm able to work just as fast, but also not worry about trapping us in a, in a situation where we'll violate, um, you know, decency and, yeah. and honoring God. Well, and I, I love that. And I, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's boasting at all. I think that's actually a great example of what you are celebrating with, you know, on your podcast and your whole life of recognizing that is a gift, like your ability, your speed, your intelligence, you know, and, and, um, I'm a huge pop culture kind of geek. And so, you know, I, I, I you know, you know, with guys like Seinfeld and, and the really great comics will say that, you know, it's, it's a lot harder and it's a lot and ultimately funnier to, to work clean, you know? And mm-hmm. so you're actually, you're actually doing not only the, 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 the ministry and, and the service and keeping things clean, but it is ultimately funnier, you know, it's actually better comedy. So I think that is just such a great, and I have to imagine that your teammates, Appreciate that because I think in one of the premises of this show is that, you know, we've got a lot of, um, blessedly, we have a lot of sort of intrinsic faith and we have a lot of intrinsic sort of grace that just sometimes gets so buried in layers of Mm -hmm. ego and just distractions and whatever. And we just need support sometimes not from a big, like you were saying, not, not from a big, like, oh my gosh, it, it knocked me on my knees and the heavens opened up and whatever, but just little things, little nudges, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you being on a stage with a couple of other comics and doing what you're doing, you know, you just, I think that's super powerful, really powerful. So when did you, when did you then fast forwarding, I'm sure I'm, I'm going to fast forward a couple of years here, but then when did you start rec- recognizing then like through things like your podcast you could be celebrating even more of these stories like your own. Um, and, uh, and, and how, what's that been like? I would imagine that's been very rewarding to be able to share more of these stories with, with the, an even broader audience. Absolutely. And, you know, to just kind of touch on what you mentioned uh, a moment ago is, you know, it's, it is funnier because you don't have to wait. Uh, you talked about being clean and how it's funnier people don't have to wait and make sure it's okay to laugh because especially (laughs) now there's such a hypersensitivity to things that when somebody takes those big risks or goes risque or goes blue, there's that moment of hesitation before the crowd can respond. Like, is anybody else going to laugh or or am I going to be alone? Where when it's clean and it's pure and it kind of runs through uh, what I call the Philippians four, eight filter you can just laugh. You can just let yourself loose. And, and the beauty of it is people who come together as strangers uh, for an audience, they are no longer strangers when they've laughed together because they've admitted something about themselves. They've bonded. And that's why comedy is such a valuable tool for ministry because it tears down a lot of walls and it gives opportunity for people to receive. Um, so fast forward now to what you're asking about uh, gifts for glory. Uh, gifts for glory was born out of the motto, our gifts for his glory, which was the foundational statement of the improv ministry. And as I, you know, was doing comedy and trying to find opportunities for us to bring laughter to other people, I felt God leading me to say, Hey, you've got a pretty decent voice and, uh, you've got all this experience in radio and in broadcasting and PA announcing. 
I don't want those skills to go to waste either. So why don't you consider podcasting? And so I did consider it. And then he said, now it's time to stop considering. Why don't you go ahead and do it? Mm-hmm. So I said, well, I, I like telling stories. I like sharing testimonies. I love the power of a good testimony. And I love to tell people of the many, many different ways that they can serve God. And so that's how the Gifts for Glory podcast came about, was just sharing stories of people who serve God in different ways and who have walked different paths. Uh, We've had people that have gone through traumatic abuse. We've had people that had suffered uh, rape at the hands of a minister, of a youth minister. Uh, We've had people that have been addicted to drugs and, you know, every run of the gamut. And we've also had the powerful testimony of somebody that was raised in a Christian home and that really never saw the darkness of the world. Mm -hmm. And those testimonies are just as powerful because they didn't become gospel calloused to the point where Jesus didn't have an impact. They still were able to find Jesus despite what seems to have on the outside been a very easy life. And that also speaks to people because you can't inherit your faith. You have mm-hmm. to find it yourself. So I, and I love telling all those stories and that's where gifts of glory uh, came in. Um, just telling the different stories and how people can use their gifts, uh, their talents their passions their experiences to reach more people for the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that every one of them counts, you know, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't <clears throat> claim to have a really strong handle on scripture, but there's so many examples of, you know, the lost sheep and the, and the, and the, and the hairs on your head and all that kind of stuff. And, and I just think, um, I love what you're saying about all of those stories count. Um, even the ones that aren't necessarily, you know, from the ashes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because I think, uh, yeah, grace, uh, grace is never small. You know, and the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything small uh, ever. <laughs> it's uh, it's always on. It's always on ten. So it's uh, oh my gosh. So I as I'm looking at the clock, and there's no real time thing here. But here's here's what I'm quickly learning is the downside for our listeners of me meeting uh, um, guests for the first time is I could talk all night uh, because <laughs> there's so much to to get into. And I but we will uh, for the sake of for the sake of the listeners we'll. Uh, We'll segue to the fun segment and, and hope maybe maybe get you back on, on mana for for another time. But uh, so our fun segment um, uh, is uh, the same three questions that we ask every guest, and uh, and it and it provides a lot of really neat uh, insight and uh, just kind of a fun way to to end the show. And, and, but it's a horribly named uh, a part of the of the show uh, because it's not really creative at all. It's just it was it's so it's just a fun segment. So here we go, fun segment. Question number one. As I'm I'm especially uh, insecure in front of a comic. Okay, I really should have a much more clever, uh, funny uh, name for this. So well, uh, your show is the the manna, and so when people got tired of the manna in the desert, God gave them the quail. So maybe since this is the fun segment, just call it the quail. There we go. I like it. See now. Of all of the guests that we've had and all of the listeners, nobody has ever given an idea. And here we go. It's quail. That I love it. <laughs> See, I should have had you on three seasons ago, Dave. All right. So here we go. So quail segment question number one. Uh, if Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow uh, and just wanted to hang out for the day, what would you do with him? 
um the there's so many cool things that you could do um i would love to just um i would love to go do some open mic comedy with him (laughs) i i think that you know because because he's fully god and fully man and we're in his image we can also know that that we like God are completely creative beings and just to, you know, go out and laugh and and just to see him tell some jokes. uh, I think that would be a lot of fun to do. Just do some open mics. And then, you know, of course, you know, he's even more in tune with the Holy spirit than I am. He could probably tell some jokes that will break down some walls and see some people in the middle of this bar get saved. (laughs) Yeah. That'd be awesome. I love that. Love that. All right. Uh, quail segment question number two. This is going to stick, Dave. I can tell. Uh, number two, if, uh, if you could go to church uh, with any other guy, uh, living or dead, uh, known or not, famous or not, anybody, uh, it just has to be a guy, uh, who would you go to church with? Um, the hard answer would be my dad because he died um uh shoot almost 11 years ago mm. and i don't know where he's at so if i could go to church with him and in the middle of that service know for sure that he had accepted the lord yeah that would be great um so that's like the hard answer um the other one i be kind of cool to go with Billy Graham be like, Hey Billy, is he, is he doing a good job or not? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's great. That's great. This guy. <laughs> oh, I think those are both great. And I think, uh, I think going with your dad would be really, would be really powerful. Um, that's uh, the hard, the, I know that's the hard answer, but I think that's a great answer. Um, all right. So, uh, Quelsa, so in question number three, uh, if you could, and you've probably done this throughout your, throughout your ministry and, 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 and comedy. Um, um, and so you can, you can, uh, you can redo, uh, an answer here if you like, but if you could give, uh, one piece of advice to a younger guy, and, you know, kind of neat when, when I think of your story, you know, and how you said that you had accepted Christ back when you were in sixth grade, but it was kind of a, yeah, you know, I know of him, you know, but it sort of laid dormant there for a while. So if you could go back to like a sixth grade boy, okay, like you were, um, and give him a piece of advice about living a, a confident life of faith, you know, and just like yours, you know, and not necessarily needing to know, you know, six ways to Sunday, how to quote scripture or be in the front pew, but just, just to have, catch him a little bit more upstream to get to where you are today. What would be that piece of advice? If I was going to talk to sixth grade me, I would say you already know what it's like to kind of be different. You already know what it's like to be a center of attention and not necessarily understood or accepted. So use that and pursue God regardless of what you think people are going to say. Talk to him, pray to him, listen for him. Um, Don't rely on anyone else for your relationship with God. Um, You're already different. You're already kind of sitting outside the inner circles of friends and, and the cliques. That's perfectly fine. There's a bigger clique for you in God's house. And that's the one you need to pursue. Mm, That's great. I think, I think there's even older guys that 
<laughs> would, would benefit from hearing that. You know, that's not the purview of only the young, but that is a great, that's a great message to send. Um, Dave Ebert, thank you so much. I, I really, um, the, the time has gone by so fast. And as I say, we could, I could spend uh, three times as much uh, of this time to, to continue talking, but really appreciate you um, being here today and sharing your story and uh, just wish you the best with everything you're doing with your podcast and your ministry and just living, 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 living the way you do to inspire more men and women out there to, uh, to live there to live their life for God. Thank you so much for having me on, Jeff. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.